Hello there, and welcome back to the Senate Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Johnston. And in this episode, I'm joined by Tony, the multiverse traveling Quinones. How you doing today, buddy? <laughs> I'm, uh, I just fought Vandal Savage. Uh, he was trying to hunt me down and steal an artifact. So, you know, I managed to escape. He, um, I'm in an undisclosed location. He's not going to find me for a while. So I can, I have just enough time to do this episode. You put out Vandal Savage. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about Vandal Savage in such a long time. That's amazing. All right. Well, this is episode number 10. And today, you and I will be discussing how to create the greatest comic book universe ever. Oh, yeah. And how we're going to do that is we are just going to completely tear down and criticize James Gunn's DC universe that he's he's creating himself. So that'll be fun. The Senate Podcast, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast. All right, so we're coming out with episodes every week. I'm going to try to do them on Fridays. My, maybe Fridays, maybe not, but we're going to try to do Fridays from now on uh, just because of all of our schedules lining up, kind of lining up on Fridays. It works out pretty good. All right, so let's get into what have you been playing or watching recently, and I'll have you start if there's anything you want to talk about in particular. I know there's a few things we were talking about right before we started. But specifically, any video games? I've been playing on my Game Boy Advance, uh, oh, Mario yeah, and Luigi's Superstar Saga. What a banger. And heck it, dude. The, it's like, you look at a lot of other games on that system, and I mean, they're good, you know. Like, there are some well-made, pretty nice-looking games on there. But Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga, it's like Nintendo was like, oh, how about we actually put money into this thing? The graphics, I looked up a playthrough on YouTube and the real graphics of the game look worse than my copy. I don't really know what that's about, but the graphics are great. The music, a lot of Game Boy Advance games have music that it's like, yeah, that was composed on the game boy advance you know like it has that sound to it the music in this game sounds like it could have been in a super nintendo mario game and yeah the combat actually makes turn-based combat fun it's really cool like you when you do an attack if you press a button at the right time it like strengthens the attack and then when the enemy attacks if you jump at the right time you can dodge and like it has you know, some platforming elements. It had some, like, explore. Like, if you walk around the levels and explore and do platforming, you get items that you would use in an RPG because it, it's an RPG at its core. But, like, just everything about it, like, it's so well made that it ticks me off. Like, it's like... It's a great RPG. Heck yeah. And it's yeah. not like... It could, like, when you walk into an area and fight enemies, they don't respawn. So there's no like monotonous, tedious grinding. Like it's, I'm not super far into it yet, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. And then on PS3, uh, I played a little bit of the original Dead Space. Um, I accidentally bought the second one a while ago, so I was like, "Well, I'll just buy the first one." And then I played those two. Greatest accident of your life. 
Huh? Greatest accident of your life. Heck yeah, dude. It's like the atmosphere is great. Uh, I'm not... I love the atmosphere of survival horror games, but I'm not great at them because it usually eventually becomes me running around for hours not knowing what to do. But I think... I'm more drawn to it if it's like an action game. Like this is like, you know, a third person shooter, but it has the horror. Um, it has an upgrade system where if you explore the levels, you find things to upgrade your gun, which is my kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more of that. And uh, yeah, unfortunately that's all I got for gaming, but no, I'd that's, say quality that, that's over quantity in this case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. That is an extremely, uh, you know, great two games to be playing. Uh, so my history with Mario and Luigi, the Mario and Luigi games, um, I played Superstar Saga, Partners in Time, and Bowser's Inside Story. I I think Partners in Time, I probably put the most amount of time into and i really love partners in time but yeah superstar saga on the gba absolutely amazing game and i'm not like the biggest jrpg fan or rpg fan but i i have a little bit of history with it going back to the paper marios and like paper mario n64 games like that but really mario and luigi partners in time was probably my favorite turn-based game ever I'm looking at I'm looking it up right now because it's been a long time since I've played that. But I'll that say game this is about amazing. Mario games too. Like I've played, you know, uh, Super Mario Brothers one, two, and three a fair bit, and you know they're the standard platformer like side scroll. You yeah. make your way through a level and you you know kill enemies. You know you try to get a high score, and th those games are you know fun, especially if you're playing with people. It's a fun time, but. I realized that because when I was younger, I played the hell out of Mario Galaxy on Wii. I think that game's perfect. One of my favorite games. I loved the Mario Odyssey on Switch. That was my first Switch game. And now I'm loving this. I feel like I love Mario games more when they're like adventure games. You know, like there's yeah. some story. There are actual worlds that you're going to instead of just the side scroll and stuff. So, um. I can't wait We're to play have a more Nintendo episode. Yeah, I can't wait to play more Mario games in this style because they're real like you could tell that like for some of Nintendo's franchises it seems like they kind of they're like I got like 20 bucks, here you go, try to make a good game. But when it comes to like Mario and like Zelda and some other stuff, I you could just see all the love and care that they have for these franchises and then with the mario movie you know it seems like like mario you know you're gonna get something great with mario there's a lot more potential for mario than there actually is content out for mario if we do the nintendo episode i have a few ideas for mario things that might be a little weird but i think would be a pretty cool shakeup. maybe i'll put that in the i'll put that on the schedule uh Nintendo oh, episode yeah. great because I grew up with Nintendo. So, and oh, the yeah. Switch, you know what would be amazing? The Switch is such a great system for having Game Boy games or DS games on. This is future me 
inserting myself into the podcast because there was a Nintendo Direct a few days after we um, recorded this episode, and they actually announced that there are some Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is one of those games, those few games that they're releasing for the Game Boy Advance part of the Nintendo Switch Online. I just want to add that in there because somehow Tony spoke this into existence. Well, I guess we both kind of did, but worked out great. All right, back to the episode. So Dude, I know. why not just make a, instead of the uh, N64 virtual console and NES, SNES, put a GBA virtual console on there, like a DS virtual console? It's so weird because like the some of the 3DSs, and I think the regular DSs and the Nintendo GameCube had a slot where you could play Game Boy Advance games. I wonder why they stopped doing yeah. stuff like that. It's I know. So I, lo- I know. I had that DS and I had um, the, the original, like the blocky gray one. Loved it. And then I you know, moved on, but they should have kept that uh, Game Boy port in there. So, man, you, you had that throwback. Man, GBA, <laughs> miss that. That was one of the greatest systems ever. I just recently had this d- desire to play some games on that console because I don't remember that I have it sometimes. And I'm like, you it's know, so there weird. are a lot of famous games that I never played for this thing. Exactly. I've been playing something more recent, still playing Horizon. But the difference is today, do you know what the backbone is? Um, is that a kind of sandwich? No, I'm kidding. No, I don't know. It, it basically is a sandwich for your phone, and it turns it into a switch. So it's it's just a controller that turns your phone into a um, almost like a Vita or a switch in a way. It attaches. Okay. Yeah, it, 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 I got it for my phone to specifically turn it into a Vita, and I have the <laughs> PlayStation brand backbone. So I'll send you a picture of it. Anyways. I, I attached, you know, this controller to my phone, and then I opened up Remote Play for my PlayStation Five, and I, I was playing Horizon Forbidden West from my phone with the Backbone, Damn. and it, it worked pretty good. The quality, the like the graphic, were the graphics were probably seven twenty, and there was a lot of latency, but I got to the part in the game where I was fighting a Thunderjaw. This thing was insane probably the, the toughest thing i had to fight in the game so far but i was determined even with the latency to use the backbone to beat it and i i got used to i got used to the controls and the latency on a handheld again so imagine playing a game like horizon on like a vita that's pretty much what i was doing it was amazing mm. interesting so that's my only update with that uh, I, I got the thing to actually play persona 4 golden and try to have the Vita experience again. Funny enough. All right. Think think PlayStation, but we're going to move it to HBO Max now. What are your impressions on PlayStation Studios, The Last of Us on HBO? You know what? I'm I'm going to be honest. Uh initially I was like I had the mindset that I was curious, certainly. I was curious to see what they were going to do. But I wasn't excited. I'm like, I'll watch the show when I watch the show. I don't care. I don't see why they're making this. You know, whatever. And then I saw episode one. 
And they pretty much did exactly what I didn't want them to do, which is basically do a beat for beat recreation of the first like section of the game with a little bit of added stuff here and there. But it was and so I'm like, good. Oh great. Yeah. It was really well made, but I'm like, Oh, fantastic. This is exactly what I feared it was going to be. I guess they're not going to do anything new. Of course not. And then I saw episode two and I was like, wow. So they actually did a lot of new stuff here. Obviously still has the same structure. It was incredibly well shot by my boy, Neil Druckmann. Everybody's favorite uh, video game creative, obviously. Nobody hates him for any reason. Um, You know, the how they reinvented the infected is creepy. It's great. I love the high yeah. mind thing. Everything about it, like the production, the acting, the relationships with the characters, how they reinvent certain things was great. So I was like, oh, damn. And then I saw episode three, and by the end... Uh, you were through, through my swollen, tear-filled eyes, I was like, okay, now they got me. Which is exactly what Troy Baker's been saying. He's like, by the end of episode three, we're going to have you hooked. And I'm like, he's a damn oracle because um, I am hooked. I feel like they justified the show's existence by reinventing some things, especially in the la in episode three. I didn't expect that. And it would have been cool to get what we got in the game, but I love that this is like a different ending for certain characters. I'll say that much that they didn't get in the game and I'm all for it. And I, I am on the hype train. I am drinking the Kool-Aid and it tastes yes. good. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I'm asking you about it. Cause I know that's something we both have been watching and I'm, I'm just trying to transition into the, the big screen movies, TV shows. And I feel very similar to you. I was a little bit, you know, more up on episode one and two. I, I think just because I feel like if the show does nothing more than basically perfectly mirror the game, I think it's still going to be a 10 out of 10 because I believe the game's a 10, a 10 out of 10. However, the show is doing more and better things. So honestly, I think the show has just been a straight 10 out of 10 so far. And, you know, oh, I'm yeah. a Last of Us fan, so take you know disclaimer disclaimer i also like the halo series so maybe don't trust my opinions on anything <laughs> but i'm excited for the departures from the game like you're talking about in episode three and one thing i heard was that in the next episode or two they'll be introducing uh sam and henry and i think that they're they they're making sam deaf in the show is Sam the older one or the younger one? I'm I'm really curious. Yeah, Sam to is see, the younger uh, one. Episode four, like the sneak peek, shows what seems like a brand new character. So I'm curious to see how they're going to tie her into the story. Sam is the deaf younger brother of Henry in the HBO's Last of Us. Huh. That's going to be interesting because it doesn't just change up the character for no reason. Imagine being deaf in a world where the infected or specifically the clickers react to sound and if you're deaf you don't know if you step on something or or what or not so i mean my concern with that is that i hope it's not just a quiet place you know yeah. what i mean i mean i i thought that was a great movie but like i don't just want it to be oh it's it's that thing you know what i mean yeah and i think 
you're you know what you're right about that and i think the changes they made to the infected with the hive mind thing where you know if you step on this it activates them from you know way across the city because they're connected i think that's enough to differentiate it from something like a quiet place yeah while still being you know you got to stay quiet because they use echolocation dude imagine how much harder the, uh the outcome for those characters i'm not going to spoil it uh how much harder that could hit now that we have the added time of a tv show well yeah look at what they did with episode three i was like you know when they yeah. get to sam and henry when they get to david when they get to the fireflies it is this series is amazing so those are our impressions on it we're up on it 10 out of 10 absolute yes. masterpiece and i'm glad we started this episode talking about masterpieces because from here on out <laughs> we're gonna be talking about uh, the opposite of all oh of that boy and that's James Gunn's DCU. I just did a solo episode on it, kind of talking about the details, the 20 projects that are in the works at DC. <laughs> James Gunn, you know, he has this new uh, slate of projects, specifically the Chapter 1 Gods and Monsters projects. And I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, the movies, Superman Legacy, The Authority, The Brave and the Bold, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Swamp Thing. And then the, the DCU TV shows, Creature Commandos, Waller, Booster Gold, Lanterns, and Paradise Lost, along with the current projects. But that's the quick rundown of it. I, like I said, I did a solo episode detailing and going through what each one consists of and kind of a little bit of the background with this, what's staying, what a current project is, what is being reset in the universe, all of that. Um, you're up on the information, so from here, what we'll do is just give our give our thoughts on on um, Kevin. F I mean James Gunn and his MC DCU, because essentially this is the beginning of the MCU again. And it's I just read an article that said uh, was James Gunn saying that his chapter one of the DCU is more planned out than phase one of the MCU, and I'm like, well, it should be. This is 15 years later. You have all of the hard work that the MCU put in, regardless of if you like them or not. You know, the 15 hard years of work the MCU put in that you can look at and basically copy, and you're not even doing a great job of copying it. So, and I mean, I would hope plus, that your your chapter one is planned out. And and plus, when they made Iron Man, they didn't know if that movie was going to succeed or not. So they put in the Nick Fury scene as like as like a fun small tease yeah, you know but to get people they didn't the know future. that they anything know. would really come of it necessarily so i get what he's saying in that regard yeah which is true and i hope i mean that should be true that should be the case now do you think that them having the first chapter of this new dcu you know planned out like this you think it's a good thing how would you how do you think it's going to go you know, with this announcement and what's your reaction to it? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked me that, Caleb, because I get to drop one of my hot takes that might not even be a hot take, but you notice how Superman Legacy and, yeah, how Superman Legacy um, has a little thing at the end. What is that? A a release date uh i'm sick of studios 
saying release dates for movies that aren't even in production yet. Yeah, don't like, expect that. He's writing that the movie. Did you remember, like, back, I think, when Batman v Superman was coming out, how they did this whole thing with, like, Jeff Johns and Kevin yes. Smith? And, like, yep. he's talking about every project they're going to do and all the heroes. And Justice League we part got, one. like, half Justice of them. Justice League Part Two. Yeah, we got, like, half of that. And, they, and, and then the other stuff just evaporated where is it i don't know it's just like an absentee father when you run out of milk it just it just left and never came back i don't know so you would think disappeared into the night that yeah you would think that studios wouldn't do this like where they just announce release dates but here we are and he's saying oh it's we have a tentative release date of july 11th 2025 which isn't too far away and it's like how about you just shut your mouth until the movie until the cameras are rolling and then you could say maybe the movie like until then just stop it's so like it's just so redundant at this point i'm surprised that that was the only project with the release date because i mean thank i'm sure yeah i'm sure they wanted to throw release dates on on some of these or, or release windows to get people hyped up, but don't give us any dates. Yeah. Imagine if, I mean, July 11th, 2025, that means all of these projects are at least two and a half to three years away, which is insane. I mean, if they wouldn't have said anything and just focused on production and just got it out, I mean, that would have, set expectations now expectations are okay this is two and a half years of way away for the very first project and it's most likely going to get delayed or something it, this is is not looking good i think also too like just announcing slate. a slate because i remember when yeah. marvel did it and the inhumans was supposed to be a movie and then they ended up scrapping that and they made it a show that like five people watched and it's like you think by yeah. like and the, the 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 dark universe did the same thing they had that like group photo of like all the characters playing all the movies they made one movie it was badly received and then they just scrapped it like i i don't want to hear about like the 10 projects you have i don't care because all it is is just words and numbers that means nothing to me so that's your <laughs> I I know. That's your thoughts on the release date. What do you think about the okay, the five movies? You have Superman, The Authority, you have a Batman movie, Supergirl movie, and Swamp Thing. So what do you think about those five? Oh god. Okay. Well Superman, I mean uh actually in the article on the site that I'm looking at, like there's this thing later that's like a more in-depth interview with James where he's saying that he likes Henry and he feels like he got screwed, you know, and by like, you know, like in like playing Superman, like they kept like screwing him around. And it's like, I'm surprised that uh, he's probably going to get assassinated for saying that because he's speaking the truth. Um, I do like that he acknowledged that. I mean, yeah, like he said, like Henry wasn't necessarily like cast. So a new Superman movie, I don't really have an opinion. Like, it's, I mean, obviously it's going to happen. 
Swamp Thing I'm the most interested in because it's like a horror thing and I think a horror movie in the DC universe sounds cool and I don't know if we're getting Justice like Dark anymore so I'll take what I get uh I think the authority sounds like it could be cool but it just sounds like Watchmen basically and it's like okay whatever uh and then the Brave and the Bolt um I can't wait Caleb I can't wait uh to hear about yet another actor playing Batman um, You're ready I'm for just it. so because that's not something we've seen 20 million times, you know. The, and they certainly haven't had any controversy about Batman. Also, with Michael Keaton being touted as being a big player, and then now he's going to be in Flash, and he was in Batgirl, which got canned because apparently at the end of Flash, he like travels to the future and he shot a scene for Aquaman 2, but that scene was also shot. Uh, with Ben Affleck and we don't know which version's going to be used but neither of those Batman are going to even be in the future movies so what's the point of life and why do we even exist it's just I like I I can't look at I I just don't care and it's like they're going to finally have a Batman movie with a Robin for the first time since the 90s since Joel Schumacher did it and they're going to have Damian Wayne who exists because Talia al Ghul drugged Bruce Wayne and raped him in his sleep. Instead of, you know, Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Jason Todd. No, Damian Wayne. So all the other Robins are old now. This is how you're going to introduce the Bat family in your DC universe? In your rebooted DC universe? Yeah, what? so... What? I'm going to give you my pitch for my DC universe in a little bit. And I solve that issue because I, I have the same, I have the same take when it comes to that for, for the first chapter. <laughs> well, why are you, like, why start with Superman and Batman, but it's like, it's like, it's like freaking in Batman V Superman when they show the Robin suit of the dead Robin and then people thought it's like, it was Jason Todd. And then Zach's like, oh no, that was actually Dick Grayson. He's yeah. dead. Oh, you know, and it's like the DC what? universe. Yeah. They're old and dead. What? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the case with Brave like, and Bold. Hopefully it's. Why would you kill the first Robin and arguably the most popular like yeah and we didn't even see him in a movie at all well, and that's my question nothing. the brave like, and the bold which robin do you think it's going to be i mean it says, it says damian wayne because that's uh james gunn's favorite which i'm not surprised by you know what it says <laughs> it's okay okay it says in this write-up that i found um, the DCU will introduce its Batman and Robin in this unusual father-son story inspired by Grant Morrison's comic series. Yeah, it's going to be is, Damien. That's... Which I, I think thought, is a uh, terrible idea. I thought Dick was in Grant Morrison's. No, he might mean a newer... Uh, uh, no, um, it's the Grant Morrison one that introduces Batman to a son that he never knew about. So it's was Damien. Damien Wayne. No, what, what are they doing? Yeah, so like it, like you're going to introduce Batman in the you're rebooted right. DC universe, and he's already going to be a dad, bro. 
What? Right. Like, so is he going to be older? Because we've gotten that already. Like, I, I mean, I, I get, I don't know. Like, why can't they just make a Batman? Like, I guess maybe they want to make it different from Matt Reeves movies where he's solo, but like, well, they're skipping. Wow. I, I thought it was going to be Dick, but it is going to be Damien. Yeah. Uh, they're skipping Dick Grayson, Jason Todd. They're skipping uh, Barbara Gordon because she's in there as well with the killing joke, you know, wrapped in that timeline. They're skipping. Um, wow. I'll say um, this. If Matt Reeves doesn't introduce any of the Robins in his movies, like young, because, uh, you know, Batman's younger, then Robin fans are going to still be starving. And I think that sucks, you know, because like a Robin representation in movies has sucked. Robin representation in TV sucks because, like, I hear Titans is, like, really gritty and dark for no reason. And Robin in that really doesn't feel like the character. So it's like, I don't know why they hate Robin so much. But, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we're looking at this. And there's Superman and then Batman and Damien. So we can just assume that Dick and Jason won't be around. But they have Supergirl and Swamp Thing. What do you think about oh, yeah, just Supergirl. throwing a Supergirl movie in there and a Swamp Thing movie right off the success of the Swamp Thing series for some reason? Yo, dude, I'll say um, I, I feel so bad for uh, Sasha... Kaye, oh yeah yeah because she got she found out that she got the role like a while ago on a zoom call and was like really happy and then yeah. that movie's had so much baggage it's gotten delayed it's it's finally coming out and now they're rebooting i'm gonna say this i i 100 stand by this if she doesn't get to play supergirl in this movie because we know that James is being really wishy-washy with who he's recasting or not because he he doesn't even know how to fully commit to his own choices, apparently, and just yeah. wants to <laughs> preserve his work because, of course, he does. If he doesn't let her play Supergirl in this movie and in this universe after everything she's had to go through that was out of her control, I'm not watching the movie because I think that's BS. 100%. Yeah, in the last episode, I was talking about how I wonder if they're going to keep her for that movie because if they don't, imagine the backlash. Dude, they better because, like, it's bad enough that she's in, like, an ensemble movie playing a new character. So if she doesn't get to do that in a solo project, oh, no, dude, no. Absolutely not. I don't care. They're. There's nothing James or Peter could say that would make me think that was a okay thing to do. And like, so, I'm not really one of those people that like, you know, like rallies for a cause or anything, but I got principles too, you know? <laughs> um, so then what do you think about Swamp Thing? Because do you, are you familiar with the series from HBO? I haven't seen it, but I hear it's great, even though it got canceled before 
that season was even done, which is weird. I wonder why the that guy has a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I really want to see good. it. Like it, it. I've seen like clips of it, and it looks cool as hell. Yeah, I always heard great things about it. So maybe that's why they're making the Swamp Thing movie. But tell me, who really wants a Swamp Thing movie? Yeah, it. I don't feel like it has to be a movie. Exactly. Like, I mean, like I feel like there are other characters that would be better like i don't see i mean i think it's like i'm certainly gonna be there when it comes out excited but like how many people like i'm i'm like curious to see like how many people would actually like really care that much all right that's the movies the five movies uh, give me your quick impressions for the TV series coming out. Creature Commandos, Waller, Booster Gold, Lanterns, and Paradise Lost. Okay, I'll start from well, from the positive. Or do, do you want me to start from the positive or negative? Start with the start with the negative. Okay. Let's scroll. Okay. Paradise Lost. So this sounds horrible i i don't want to hey kids would you like a wonder woman show without wonder woman no i no who does i you find me one person who read this and is like that sounds pretty cool and they're probably a simp for freaking james gunn or dc like that no i i don't have a lot to say about it but i i want to know what uh strain of uh weed peter and james were smoking that led them to come up with this idea that's what i'm that's what i want to know uh waller um viola davis is returning again because he's uh freaking cherry picking who he wants to recast which i don't stand behind i don't care if it was a success if you're gonna reboot reboot but did you hear my explanation for that in the in the episode I don't remember. So, what did you say? Waller, the only reason they're making Waller is to keep the talent around from Peacemaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, after the reboot. So, Viola Davis, uh, James Gunn's wife, and John Cena, most likely. Yeah. Because it says it features Team Peacemaker. So, instead of just continuing Peacemaker, they're making an Amanda Waller series. Yeah, dude, like, Amanda Waller is great as else. a antagonistic force to like the suicide squad and i think yeah, that's she's a good character been i think that was actually great in b- 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 both of the movies even though i like one of them uh but an amanda waller show like just about amanda waller i i don't care i don't i don't give a crap uh booster gold yeah i'm actually looking forward to this it's been i think it was originally going to be a movie way back. Uh, Zach Stentz, who was uh, one of the writers on X-Men First Class, Thor, the 2011 movie, the first one, this Netflix movie called Rim of the World, and some other stuff I forgot, uh, was writing, I think, the movie. It's a show now. Uh, I think that sounds fun. I, I hope it's like kind of a sitcom style thing you know like but like with like drama like 
I think they need to find somebody who's like funny, but can also be a great dramatic actor because like, I think from what I know, the idea is like, he starts out just like wanting to be famous and stuff and being like purely selfish and shallow. And then eventually learns how to be a hero. And I think that could really, that could be great, but it all kind of lives and dies on who plays him. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think that sounds like a ton of fun. Lanterns, um, I'm happy this is still going on, even though it's not exactly the same show, because they fired the guy who ruined the CW shows, thank God. Um, I hope he is forced to work at Wendy's or something. Um, I've, I haven't seen True Detective, but I think that idea sounds cool because, I mean, they are cops. But when he says it's Earth-based, like, I don't know if that means they're the Green Lanterns that are looking after Earth because they're humans. But, like, I don't want it to be, like, because it's a show, so, you know, it's not going to have a high, a really high budget. So I'm hoping that it's not, like, primarily on Earth and then they fly to space for, like, five minutes in an episode. You know what I mean? So I'm curious, but I need to see more before I say I'm excited or not because the phrasing kind of throws me for a loop a little bit. Yeah, and in my write-up for uh, Chapter 1 of my DCU, I also have a Green Lantern series, and I solve those problems. Just wait. And then... So give me your... Yeah, give me your last... um, Yeah, my most anticipated show is Creature Commandos. I think James... I think he did this one for me because... He knows that I like like really weird off kilter. This is his stuff. This is his uh, specialty. Yeah, well. like bit like I think isn't Robot Man from D- D- Doom Patrol in here? I, he's from Doom Patrol. I don't know if he's in Creature Commandos. I think I'm not yeah. Well, I know F- Frankenstein's here. I've read some Justice League Dark comics where he makes an appearance, and f- f- first of all. I haven't read the whole run, but dude, Justice League Dark, fantastic comics, fantastic comics, fantastic characters, stories, everything about it is just, mwah, I love it. Um, Lady Frankenstein looks hot. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, no, but I'm I'm excited for this for sure. It seems like it'll be fun, wacky, weird. I love the artwork just based on this image we have i think the animation looks crisp um i'm expecting like you know just a fun time you know with some cool characters a fun concept my only hang-up is that and it's something i have weirdly strong feelings about but like he said that he wants to have the people who do the voices play them when they're in live action stuff. Um, and like, we know that like voiceover talent doesn't really get represented in movies. Like studios tend to just cast, you know, like whoever's like a really big name in Hollywood. Um, Vin Diesel as Groot. Yeah. Like, except for like in, I'm actually surprised that for Sonic 2, they got the lady who voices Tails back. That was surprising, yeah. Because, yeah, like, but other than that, like, 
I feel like like if like a show or movie is gonna have voiceover, it should be people who do voiceover because you know I feel like they're underrepresented and that's a shame. So just get Chris Pratt to do it. <laughs> Every voice is just like Chris Pratt doing a slightly lower or higher pitch. There you go. <laughs> um, so I mean, I feel like they could obviously get like voiceover performers who can also act on screen or they could learn to act on screen which is what i'm hoping because you know that would be cool and like it would show like them growing you know as performers and what's funny enough if they're just gonna was huh yeah as bad as the cw was um they did that somewhat which i thought was pretty cool because they had their animated show Oh yeah, um, that's right. Vixen and Flash and and Green Arrow, the they voiced their characters in the Vixen show as well as you know, uh, led their, in their series. Oh, so as bad as the CW is, that's something they did that would you know would be nice to see on screen because James Gunn did say he wanted um, yeah animation and live action to be you know connected in some way. Yeah. Well, my closing thoughts on this are I just hope that it's not one of those things where they just get, like, whoever's popular to voice the characters. Because yeah. I don't want to hear, like, Frankenstein being voiced by frickin'... Uh, I, I can't think <laughs> Chris of, Chris like, Hemsworth. Yeah, like, like, I don't want... One of the characters looks like Weasel. I don't want that to be, like... <laughs> freaking josh gad or something like i i want it to be people who are great at this and can also do screen stuff so i mean aside from that though i'm really excited like that was this is certainly the kind of thing i like because it's interesting it's unique it's not something i've really seen before and i recognize one of the characters yeah yeah and james gunn the one thing about him he has an eye for um, the characters specifically who mm-hmm. who embodies the characters so i'm i'm excited to see who he eventually picks for superman and batman and and whatnot so i feel like creature commandos especially um is in good hands so that's the movies and the tv shows of course elseworlds will still exist with um joker and the batman and a few other uh titles Dude, I just I want to say real important. quick, I yes. was hearing like rumors that like maybe they were going to bring Robert Pattinson's Batman into the main fold. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that they're not. I oh my yeah, god, keep that. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm getting into. the The Elseworlds aspect is extremely important for DC. Uh, with Elseworlds, you get stories like Injustice, which I want to talk about at the very end, and you get stories like Deceased. That can exist without affecting main continuity. And that and, uh, allows you to have movies like Joker and the Batman. Apparently, uh, I think James teased that uh, he he might be working on a on a Kingdom Come movie. Maybe? Oh, I don't who know. did that? If um, you saw that on Twitter. I think like what, he posted, was... he like shared him reading the comic or something, or a picture of the comic. I think Yeah, maybe. there was some... There, I think it was somebody else. No, I mean... It was, it was, 
I hope they keep that in the Elseworlds because, dude, that is a fantastic. Yeah. Like, I don't read a lot of comics, but that's one of my faves. Like, it, that's a that's a very so, very good Elseworlds story. It's yeah. like it's such an epic. The Flash in that's like essentially like this blur. It's like it's just really dope. Like the Batman is, side it, of the stories, like Blade Runner, like a Ridley <laughs> Scott movie. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, so Elseworlds, extremely important. So we basically have went all of all through the new slate of DC um, projects coming out, talking about what we would have done differently. And I actually went through and made my own uh, DCU slate, okay. and I put some time into it, okay? I can tell. So what man. I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, manifest into James Gunn real quick. And throw all of this out of the window. The chapter one, Gods and Monsters, it's getting thrown out the window. And I'm going to give you my chapter one. All right, you ready for it? Oh, yeah. It's called Chapter One, World's Finest. What I'll do is I'll go through. I have uh, four movies and a TV show. I'm going to go through one at a time. And when I, you know, after I read the title and description and whatnot, we can just uh, theorize. All right, ready? First one. It's also a Superman movie, except my Superman movie is called Superman, A Better Tomorrow. Superman's origin story. Superman learning to fit in, falling in love with Lois, juggling news reporter career with superhero antics, and the world is still skeptical of him. This is early in his career. Mm. Then Brainiac attacks, a robotic alien invasion. This contrasts the human-like Kryptonian alien race versus the invading robotic alien race this is the biggest struggle superman has faced so far in his career it pushes him to his limits but in the end kal-el wins and it shows humanity that although he's not from earth he is just as human as any of us and the iconic superman precedent is set truth justice and a better tomorrow that's my pitch for an opening um of a new dc slate so what do you think about that? I, you know, um, there's a, um, one of the S Superman, uh, n new 52 stories mm -hmm. is like it. I haven't read it in a while, but I have it. It, uh, he fights Brainiac and like, he's doing his thing. I don't like remember like what the I'm trying specifics to of the stories are, but, um, yeah, yeah. I fit. I like the subtitle a better tomorrow. Because, like, that to me, like, like, obviously, you know, like, he's a guy that fights, like, aliens and these, like, larger-than-life threats. But, like, he's, at the end of the day, he's also somebody who, you know, j j just wants people to have a better tomorrow, as the subtitle said. Like, so I think that, like, I'm imagining, like, he's fighting Brainiac and stuff, but, like you could do what man of steel kind of failed to do a little exactly. in my opinion which exactly. is like it's like focus it like because as far as the people in metropolis are concerned like is this the end of the world like what's going on like this weird alien is like trying to bottle us up and stuff what's it gonna do and then like superman would like be like just helping people feel better in the face of this big threat 
because you know, that's like, what Superman does. And that's what did not happen in Man of Steel 2013. And what also didn't happen in Man of Steel 2013 was an alien invasion from non, you know, human like aliens. Yeah. 2013 had Kryptonians invade Earth. So <laughs> there was a hostile alien invasion from literally the same race as Superman. So what is going to make Earth, you know, think that Superman is any different besides the fact that he's protecting them? At least with this, you get to see Brainiac and a robot alien invasion that is, you know, really shows how human he is. It's not him fighting other human-like aliens. It's him fighting robot aliens. It's a simple thing that, you know, visually and stylistically shows that he is human. I think if I did a Superman movie, I, w I would have him fight a Bizarro. Like, maybe he's created by Lex Luthor. And then, like, it's, like, kind of like Craven's Last Hunt. But instead of Craven wreaking havoc as, like, trying to be pretending to be Spider-Man, Bizarro's, like, pretending to be Superman. And then it could be, like, a thing of, like, Superman, like, seeing how people respond to Bizarro and then being, like, is that is that how people see me? And then it could be this really yeah, like introspective great. piece. Uh, I would have see. I I went through a lot of different interpretations of this, um, but there's there's some great stories you could you could have with Superman. He has um, some interesting villains. I'm thinking of he has so many villains that we haven't seen. Chapter, yet. yeah, like Mongol, Bizarro. Um, even a, a good Lex Luthor, like mm. there's a specifically a Lex uh. Luthor in the comics I'm thinking of, but, uh, let me continue with the second movie because I'm thinking of, you know, beginning a new DCU with the first chapter. So of course you got to have that Superman origin story. Next is Batman. Of course. Here's how my interpretation of Batman would go. I think you'll like this. It's called Batman world's greatest detective. This picks up five years into the career of Batman at the end of the loner Batman era in Bruce's life. So think of the end, you know, after the Matt Reeves Batman. Um, yeah. Batman. It's a noir detective crime thriller, similar to the Batman. This movie takes place primarily five years into Batman's career as vigilante crime fighter. The plot centers on a series of murders involving Gotham City police officers by a mysterious serial killer only known as the Hangman. Central to the storyline is a territory war between Two-Face and the remnants of the Falcone mob, led by Sophia Falcone. The mob wars cause the death of the Flying Graysons, which leads to Bruce adopting Dick. A lot of Batman's rogue, rogues gallery are introduced and put into Arkham by Batman while he searches for the killer known as the Hegman. So this um, is inspired by a comic series called Batman Dark Victory. So I didn't give any spoilers here, spoilers here for that specific story. But essentially this is a crime thriller where Two-Face and the Falcone mob are going against each other. There's a lot of Batman's rogues galleries mixed up, mixed up you know, in this uh, war that he ends up putting in Arkham and uh, during the conflict 
Flying Graysons are killed. He adopts Dick and starts to train him as his partner. Hmm. Actually, strangely enough, that's kind of similar to I thought of like like a story of like Batman and uh adopting Dick, like how like he comes to meet him and stuff. And like I um who I had uh kill his parents is actually Black Mask. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, Black Mask. I like the idea of like yeah, so like I like yeah. the idea of like it being related to like mobsters or something. Yeah, because you don't because think about the Batman by Matt Reeves. You have it's all mob, but in this, it's a mixture of you know Batman's Rogues Gallery plus the mob because this is a story that takes place after the Long Halloween and the Holiday Killer. The Hangman is a is kind of a spiritual successor to the Holiday Killer in a way. So I'm thinking of basically the Batman by Matt Reeves kind of being like the long Halloween. And then this DCU, you know, you pick up with Batman starting right after that point in time, about five years in, um, right as he adopts Dick. So that's my pitch for Batman. So I went from Superman to Batman and I was like, I have to do Wonder Woman, but how am I going to do Wonder Woman justice? I put the most time into this movie right here. Mm. I think you, I think you will like this one the most. Maybe not. You might like my other one, my my TV series. But here's how I'll do Wonder Woman. You ready for this? Yeah. It's called Wonder Woman, Daughter of the Gods. Diana Prince has lived her life on Themyscira, trained from a young age by Ares, the god of war. The entirety of Themyscira believed that she was indeed made from clay, gifted by the gods until her mother, Queen Hippolyta, reveals the truth to her. She was never a clay figure brought to life by the magic of the gods. She is instead a demigoddess, the natural-born daughter of Hippolyta and Zeus. This creates confusion about her true nature and raises the uncomfortable truth that if she is Zeus's daughter, who are her siblings? This news sets her on a journey to discover who she is and why her true identity has been kept a secret. But if she leaves Themyscira, in search of answers, she will be forbidden to return. Mm. So this movie is kind of um, think of Percy Jackson. It is the children of the gods. So um, is, specifically her is, being the daughter of the gods, searching for answers, searching for Zeus and her siblings. Is that aspect uh, pulled from any of the comic books or is that something that you created for this? Mostly it's pulled mostly all of these are pulled from specific points in okay. in the comics. So this is pulled from the new the beginning of the new um Wonder Woman New 52. Mm. With her being the uh demigoddess of Hippolyta and Zeus. I think a Wonder Woman movie should basically be the film version of Hades as in the video game kind of yeah. And like, I was that's what I was thinking. That's why I mentioned Ares in there, you got Zeus, and then you have her siblings. It's it's essentially a um a Percy Jackson movie. I think And then once she be, leaves for answers, awesome. well and then you get into the a specific Wonder Woman mythos once she leaves the mascara for answers, then you get into the Steve Trevor, you get into her meeting Superman eventually. 
But this is her origin before she leaves Themyscira, figuring out that she is the daughter of Zeus. I think uh, in keeping with the Percy Jackson vibe, I've read uh, The Lightning Thief, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'll never read it, but I thought it was pretty good. But like, that's basically like a coming-of-age road trip story. I think it'd be cool if you made Wonder Woman a little younger. Like, maybe she's like 18, 19. Yeah. Something like that. So then, like, it's like her becoming a woman, a Wonder Woman, basically. I I think that'd be fun, and it's something we haven't seen. Well, I mean, I think, like, yeah, they're technically ageless because they're, like, immortal. But, like, I think it'd be cool to have her, you know, like, have it that way. Like, Yeah, I like that. That's kind of what I had in mind was essentially that Percy Jackson. Yeah, uh, movie, shoot. Now I actually want to see this. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I put some time into this. I think this next one is a fix for James Gunn's Green Lantern series because I also have a Green Lantern series. But it is called Tales of the Green Lantern Corps series. It's an anthology series following Ooh. the Green Lantern Corps members. So Hal Jordan of Earth is the greatest hero of the Green Lantern Corps, the intergalactic force that keeps the peace throughout the cosmos. But there are thousands of other Green Lanterns, most of whom are not even human. This series tells some of their stories in which these heroes face both the evils of those who would stand against them and their own inner conflicts. It's an anthology series following stories of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle, Guy Gardner, uh, Kilowog, Sinestro, Simon Baz, and Jessica Cruz, and their interactions with each other along with other Lantern Corps. You know what would be interesting? I just thought of this since, like, so by anthology, like, you mean, like, it would be, like, strictly self-contained, right? Like, it'd be, like... Yes, so episode, one okay. episode would basically be Kilowog, you know, fighting against the Red Lantern Corps. The next one would be Jon Stewart being called to Earth for some reason. Next one would be, uh, you know, Kyle getting the White Lantern ring. Literally none of them have to, or one would be Sinestro okay. going from green to yellow. You know what I mean? You know what would be fun? I just thought of this. Like, if you sometimes have, like, 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 uh, a specific, like, male narrator voice in throughout the episodes, like, saying different things, and then at the end, you, like, cut to, like, a house, like, maybe on a beach or something. And then it's like in a bedroom, you see like a like a crib and like you know, like it's a baby's room, right? And then you reveal that it's Hal telling all of these stories to like his son or daughter who's a baby or something. You know what? This is interesting because you can turn this into into Emerald Twilight, which is I think it's I believe it's from the nineties. It's a uh Hal Jordan story. I think it's early to mid nineties, I want to say. And essentially in the aftermath of Superman's death, uh, what is it? The um robotic Superman or who is it? It's one of the one of the evil Superman, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Blows up um Coast Coast City, killing 
everybody how Jordan ever loved. So he basically... He becomes Parallax, right? He becomes Parallax, but he creates this fake reality using the power of the ring because the ring can essentially do anything. Um, he creates this fake world in Coast City because he's just, just you know, com- so sad about losing everybody that he uses yeah. the ring to, you know, create this fake world. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Maybe these could be... That could be tied in somewhere because that's such a good story. But anyway, like, a lot of I just saw. Uh, I just like thought of like a really quick funny scene. If you do like, he's like telling like the last story to his kid or whatever, and then you know like they like smile and stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, you like that, huh?" And then his kid like he's like wearing his like ring or he like has his ring close to him. Like maybe the kid like reach out and touches the ring, and it lights up, and then it's like. Is the kid eventually going to be worthy? I don't know. Maybe not. It could just be like a fun thing. <laughs> They're so. I love the lanterns. Um, the, like Green Lanterns, in general, are one of my favorite groups in comics. I re- and like I love Hal. Hal Jordan's amazing, and John Stewart. Love John Stewart. And I wanted to do more than just um, a buddy cop movie, which or series is you know that's what everyone wants. I'm pretty sure that's what. James Gunn Lantern series is going to be uh, yeah, yeah. like kind of like a buddy cop between the two. But I wanted to do more than that because there's so many more, you know, self-contained stories out there. And t- actually, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps is a series of comics from uh, the early 80s. So kind of fits perfectly. All right. You ready for my last one? Yeah. I had the Trinity, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and we're going to end it with the flash and it's going to be simple it's just the flash of two worlds this is an origin story introducing barry stopping lower level villains in his rogues gallery and he discovers he is much faster than he thought he breaks into the speed force to save iris from the latest attack by captain cold introducing jay garrick thus the start of the flash family and the introduction of the speed force and the speed force is the gateway to the multiverse so essentially we're ending chapter one with a flash origin story where he discovers the speed force and that creates basically unlimited possibilities now at the end it's revealed that his origin was created by reverse flash who has been manipulating barry over the course of his entire life like the comics and then mm-hmm. that will lead into an eventual Flashpoint movie. So that is chapter one, World's Finest. What do you think of the whole rundown? I think that sounds pretty solid. Like, you know, like starting with like the arguably the most important characters, the most famous ones, generally. Um, you say um, his origin was created by Reverse Flash. Like, what do you mean? Yes. So it's it's um it's a paradox in itself. Reverse Flash was made he uh Eobard Thawne in the future tried to recreate what happened to Barry because he was obsessed with the Flash. Yeah, and then this he goes to the Flash Museum the and then yeah. finds out that he's he becomes the Flash's greatest villain, so then he becomes he, the Flash's greatest villain. Yes, and then when he does become the Flash's greatest villain, he has to then 
cause the Flash to become the Flash because he travels back in time and him traveling back in time. There's two different, there's so many different iterations of this, but basically him traveling back in time causes the Flash to get his powers. There's also another story where in Infinite Crisis, Flash saves the multiverse by destroying the anti-monitor and he, he destroys himself in the process um, and he becomes the lightning bolt that first strikes him and gives him his own powers. So there's there's multiple iterations of this, but anyways, I think it's interesting just being a paradox and having Reverse Flash being the person who created the Flash. Yeah, for sure. It's just a time paradox. It'd be fun to, like, when he creates the multiverse, like, show, like, really ble- like brief flashes of, like, alternate versions of characters or whatever just as, like, a thing of, like, oh, you know, these things may or may not be real and you may or may not see them. So essentially, like what they're doing in the MCU with after Endgame, they almost restarted in a way. Uh, except with at the end of a crisis, you can restart with new actors because the crisis really resets everything. So, but you're still in the same universe. So you can, if you want actors from, you know, before, you can pull them in. So you know how, like in the Flash movie coming out in a few months. They're having Michael Keaton in it. Yeah. You can essentially do things like that in DC, which, you know, <laughs> kind of makes me excited for the Flash movie. You know, I have to admit. It'd be fun but, to have, like, yeah. Flash be the one that has memories of, like, the other timelines. That's how it goes. So, like, yeah. you could do, like, uh, a yeah. riff in Back to the Future 2 where he sees uh, – <laughs> himself uh chasing Lardy's son and then he's like there's something really familiar about all this yeah. that's basically that is essentially you just described flash uh in the animated movie troy baker voices batman i love his batman i should uh i should try out and voice batman if you uh, ever watched my deceased video on youtube which i'm i can shamelessly plug that in this and i'm gonna put it in the description my Batman voice would just basically be like the. I don't know if this is an impersonation of Kevin Conroy. Where's the Joker? Tell me where he is, Harley. Or innocent people are going <laughs> to die. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. There you go. Hopefully you're, you're gonna... hearing this, James. <laughs> <laughs> hey, James, you're going to be cast as Batman in my, in my DC. That's crazy. <laughs> Actually, we'll end it with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. All right, so that is basically how we, we would create the greatest comic book cinematic universe to ever grace the big screen or streaming service of your choice, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final thoughts on um, James Gunn and his... Uh, MC, I mean DCU. Uh, final thought. I'll say, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm not thrilled that they're trying to once again do a shared universe, but I mean, you know, I'm at least hoping that maybe we could get some stuff that I've always wanted to see and that maybe other people wanted to see. Um, Hopefully the Batman movie is more lighthearted because we haven't had that in a while. Hopefully he has the blue and gray 
trunks. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. He has uh, to, in Brave and Bold. He has to have blue and gray. Yeah, I guess uh, I just I just want it to be good, uh, James. <laughs> I just want it to be good. That's all. James, give us at least a seven uh, out of ten or higher, please. You know, here's the thing: MCU. There's a lot of stinkers in the MCU. Yeah, definitely. A lot of like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it right at the end of the video. Wakanda Forever, absolute stinker. I haven't had a desire to watch it. I did, and then I just stopped caring. And and that's, you know, getting in getting into the new slate of DCU movies and shows. Let's not have the stinkers, okay? If if the authority isn't something we're all excited for, at least when it comes out, make sure it's quality. Don't give us a stinker. And that's basically my final thoughts. Is uh, I don't want I don't want stinkers in the DC. We've had way too many of those in the last ten years. Oh wait, my final thoughts. If Paradise Lost ends up being a great <laughs> show or even a pretty good show, yeah, we will do an entire episode with face cam on, and I will wear a clown mask for the entire thing, and I will sing its praises. No, I have a better idea. Same thing, except you have to dress like Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that is that show sounds terrible, and that I couldn't believe it. I'm like <sighs> watching the video, and he got to that part, and I'm like, what? It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a stinker, James. All right, that does it for episode ten, creating the greatest comic cinematic universe unlike uh james so thanks for coming on this episode and and giving me your thoughts on uh what's going on over at dc and the latest crisis over there and giving you uh given given me your thoughts on my own interpretation of the dcu my own chapter if you got this far thanks for watching you can support us on apple podcast google podcast spotify and until next time Stop tweeting hashtag fire James Gunn <laughs> or Batman is going to find you and throw you in Arkham Asylum. Be respectful. <laughs> Damn it. Respectfully. <laughs>